Hello, everybody, and welcome to Staying Fit ODAT. My name is Migs, and I'm your host. ODAT is an acronym for one day at a time that I picked up in early sobriety and something that's stuck with me every day since. On today's episode, we have Jackie. Jackie is just a flat-out beast. You can check her out on Instagram. She's always doing at-home workout videos, showing how to be happy with your body, and just always setting a positive example for everything that we embody in sobriety and fitness. Jackie is going through her first year of sobriety, and you can check out her story. You can hear how she's staying healthy, how she's staying fit, and how she's doing this one day at a time. All right. Thank you so much for being with us today, Jackie. How you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Thank you for asking. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks so much. Uh, this is one of those fun episodes where um, I get to say good morning to you and good afternoon to anybody on my side because we're right in that nice little time zone jump. Um, so with that being said, why don't you tell us who you are and where you are from, since obviously you're not too close to Pennsylvania and uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself there. Absolutely. My name is Jackie Miller. I am from Kansas. Uh, I am a mother of four. I have a teenager and then three little guys who are really close together. So our our house is always crazy, insane with all kinds of children. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's, that's crazy to think that you have a teenager because you look very, very young yourself. Um, and since we don't have... Um, video on the podcast I will point out that your hair is looking very stunning today um, <laughs> definitely want to shout that out since there is no video out there um, but uh, like I said uh, seriously though you do look very young to to have a teenager and normally my mom raised me not to ask a lady her age but on the podcast everything kind of goes out the window everything is fair game um, so so how old are you if you don't mind just asking oh no you're fine I'm 37 I'll be 38 in August okay okay um, not, not too much older than me. I'm right behind you. So I, I have teenagers myself, so I definitely dig it. You, you got the genes. We, we look, we look good. We, we stay looking young. Maintained by vodka is what I joke. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so with that being said, why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, a little bit about your childhood growing up? I know you mentioned that you had your first drink at, we said 12 years old. Right. All right. right. So, so why don't you tell us a little bit about growing up, up until, up until that point and uh, about your childhood, you know, before you found alcohol. All right. Um, I was actually adopted when I was three days old. My parents were older. They already had three teenagers of their own. Um, and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. She was feeling the empty nest syndrome. So she really wanted, you know, a, another baby in the house. So they adopted me. And uh, my mom and I, I mean, we're really, really close growing up. She, she wasn't addicted to, you know, alcohol. She didn't smoke, nothing like that, but she was very, very addicted to food. She was a very large woman. Um, I always thought she was around 400 pounds, but after she passed away, my, my sister told me that she maintained a weight closer to six to 700 pounds wow. for the last few decades of her life. <laughs> wow. So food was always a, a big sore spot in our house. Um, she didn't want me to end up like her. So it, there was a, a, a definite push to, you know, not overdo anything, not overindulge. You know, you don't want to eat too much of that. You don't want to drink too much pop. 
you know, they, they very rarely kept alcohol in the house. So I didn't really even come in contact with it until I started hanging out with friends whose parents had alcohol in the house. And, you know, I, I tried my first cigarette when I was 11. I tried my first drink when I was 12, but at that point, none of it really, really clicked as an addiction. It was just kind of like, oh, okay. So this is what that tastes like. This is what that feels like. So I never even considered the fact that I could have the genetics for alcoholism or just the mentality to have an addictive personality until I was a bit older. Yeah. And I think that definitely happens to a lot of us, um, especially when you experiment at such a young age. I mean, what kind of 12 year old is thinking of addiction and alcoholism mm -hmm. and going down a troubled road? Um, and, and it sounds like, um, it sounds like your, your mom wasn't like, sounds like she wasn't like trying to like turn you into like some skinny person that you didn't want to be, but also just didn't want you to fall into unhealthy habits. Cause it seems like she was very aware of her own situation. She wasn't naive to it. So, um, it, it just kind of sounds like you were getting pushed one way and then you just kind of wanted to find your own thing. And unfortunately, you know, just like most young kids, alcohol can definitely provide answers, whether we want them or not at such a young age. Um, oh yeah. So, uh, so why don't you tell us then about your, your teenage years into, I'm assuming that wasn't just like a pick up a drink and put it down and not, not drink for a few years. You continued doing that for a little while. Yeah. Um, as a teenager, you know, weekends were spent at friends' houses whose older brothers would buy us beer or, you know, who par whose parents didn't really have a strong grasp on parenting. <laughs> so a lot of weekends, you know, drinking, passing out, out in the field, you know, doing all the crazy things that teenagers would do. But honestly, and this is, this is what confounds me so much. I didn't get to a point where I couldn't stop drinking until I was about 20. Oh, wow. Absolutely no problem. But as soon as I met my first husband, because I, with alcoholism comes terrible choices and spouses. <laughs> <laughs> um, I met my first husband who was 12 years older than I was. I was 20, he was 32 and he was an alcoholic. So we started drinking all the time. And that's when I've really first encountered, you know, oh my gosh, I have to drink. I have to have that feeling. I need the alcohol to function. I can't be around people if I'm not a little buzzed. I can't fall asleep if I'm not, you know, passing out. I can't do it on my own. So that was really the first foray into the addictive part of drinking. Okay. Um, and then, so at what point did you start to realize that it was like actually a problem? Did you start to think like, hey, I need to slow down? Um, was it like, oh, no, I'm perfectly fine? Did people start telling you that they were noticing issues? Like at, at what point, at what point was it, was it known that Jackie herself was starting to, to become an alcoholic? I hit it pretty well for my family, but I started writing hot checks for cigarettes and alcohol. And we're talking like I racked up hundreds of dollars of overdraft fees monthly, writing like a $5 check for a pack of cigarettes, getting a $30 overdraft fee, and then running to the liquor store, writing a hot check for, you know, vodka and beer, getting that overdraft fee. And that's back before they really changed 
um, the the rules with you know checking accounts and credit, and I I was able to probably get a thousand dollars or more of alcohol without actually paying for it, and that's when I was like, oh, that that's not good. That's not what a good person does. <laughs> no, definitely. Yeah. And then, uh, so what did that, where did that kind of turn into? Did it just kind of, did that keep going down that road? Where, where did it go from there? Um, it's strange saying this. I lucked out because that husband started becoming abusive. So that, that was a huge wake up call. I had to get away from him. And once I got away from him, I got away from the alcohol. Um, I moved back in with my parents for a couple of months before I got my own place there, there was no opportunity for me to get drunk all the time. You know, I, I didn't have a place of my own. Um, I was just getting back on my feet. I was dealing with leaving, you know, an abusive spouse. So really that, that shocked me into my first stint of sobriety. Okay. And then did you, uh, so when you say your first stint, how, how long did that last? Did you go without drinking? Um, well, and <laughs> I say sobriety. After that, I was able to like go out with friends on the weekends and drink and then not drink during the week. Okay. So it was more or less like containing and trying exactly. to, okay. Okay. Yeah. We, we've definitely all, we've all went through those <laughs> attempts. That's, <laughs> and again, justifying to ourselves that it's so much better. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> so when was your, when was your first actual attempt at sobriety? When was the first time that you actually you know, rallied together more than two or three days in a row without drinking um, and, and actually had it in your mind that, hey, I'm going to try something here? Um, well, I, I was forced to when I got pregnant with my oldest. So I, I don't really count that as like rallying for sobriety because I was sober because I was pregnant, but that wasn't my own choice. That was kind of a situation that was not forced upon me because I, I love him to death, but that was like nine months where I didn't, I didn't have a choice whether I could drink or not. Um, so really the first time that I went an extended period of time without drinking when I wasn't pregnant really wasn't until April of 2020. Okay. Wow. So, yeah, so that was pretty much so this is almost kind of like your first real go at it without without being pregnant without anything pretty much telling you like you can't drink like this is the first time it's kind of your decision yeah yeah now between, i know yeah <laughs> i'm sorry go, go ahead. ahead oh no i i was just gonna say between then you know there were times when i was like okay i'm only gonna drink on the weekends or i spent like four years pregnant <laughs> so <laughs> That'll, yeah, that'll definitely put that, uh, that, that'll put a, a, a crutch in the plans there for you. Um, yes. <laughs> and we, I think we, we've all, uh, we've all either taken an attempt or definitely know someone who has tried the weekend warrior mentality as well, which is something we've even talked about on one of our episodes as well. Um, which is again, still, still another form of alcoholic, um, just in our minds, we just play a trick and tell us, tell ourselves otherwise. Um, all right. So we're, at, at that point, then we'll kind of just like jump right in, I guess, to kind of how I found you. So when you, when you got sober or actually, sorry, before we get there. So what, mm -hmm. what kind of helped you in your sobriety? I know we talked a little bit before, before we started recording and I know you didn't necessarily dive into meetings like some people do, which 
again, nothing wrong with that, which is why I like to interview multiple different people, different walks of life, mm -hmm. different approaches, because not, not, not everything works the same for everybody. Dif different people do find different ways, um, different paths and nothing. I like to say nothing is right or wrong. Um, as long as we all have the same goal, that's all that really matters. So what was your path? What really kind of worked for you and what was kind of your motivation? Uh, last year when I, I say when I relapsed because the, the containing failed epically and, uh, my, my current husband and I started drinking really, really heavily in January of last year. Um, I, I'm not a very large person. I'm like five, two, I, you know, I, I weigh 160 pounds, but that's still not a very large person. And I can drink a fifth of vodka on my own. And I was drinking a fifth of vodka <laughs> like every night and working outside of the home and working my uh, health and fitness job and raising four kids and dealing with postpartum depression and dealing with severe anxiety. And it, it got to the point where my husband and I were becoming violent toward each other. Um, the cops got involved a few times. We are extraordinarily lucky that our kids did not get taken away from us last year. Definitely. Yeah, it, it, it was scary. And I mean, it, it's hard to admit that because you never look at yourself and go, oh, I'm the kind of person who, you know, is going to do something to lose their kids. But man, last year, last year, it, it got pretty, pretty insane. And it got to the point where I finally left. I took the kids and I went to my aunt and my dad's house. And just because everyone gives me a weird look when I say that, <laughs> when my mom was alive, um, her and my dad built on an addition to their house for my aunt to live in so that she wouldn't be by them by herself. So okay. after my mom passed away, you know, my aunt stayed in her part of the house and my dad stayed in his part of the house. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. It's, it's a good thing you clarify because for us, yeah. for us Northeasterns, you know, someone down in Kansas, you know, if you say my, <laughs> my yeah. You don't want people thinking the wrong thing. So uh, good. Thing. Exactly. <laughs> I had an idea that it was nothing bad, but uh, for, for any of our listeners, you can, you can now continue listening mind, and you don't have to keep pondering what that meant. See, this is why, this is why I write books because my life is so weird. <laughs> so I, I moved in with them and I brought the kids with me and I told myself that this was it. I was going to get sober. But this was also in March of last year. Coronavirus was hitting hard. Just everything starting. was getting, yeah, oh, everything was getting locked down. Um, I was laid off from my job outside of the home. So it was just like disaster after disaster after disaster. And I was living in a place where I knew if I got trashed, there were other adults there who could take care of my kids. So for a few weeks while I was there, I would stay sober during the day, but then at night I would continue to drink and I would hide it from my family. And I actually started drinking, doing that because again, we start telling ourselves, oh, I've got it under control. I've got it under control. Of course. Um, I decided one day I'm going to get day drunk. My kids are going to be with their dad because they, they would come home and spend time with their dad. So I started drinking shots of 99 apples um, at 9 a.m. I was still drunk from the night before. And 
my aunt had started to suspect that I was drinking. So she got like a little at-home breathalyzer test. I don't know if she was saying this just to scare me or what, but she said that I blew a 0.21 at 11 o'clock AM when they finally confronted me. Wow. So <laughs> yeah, at that point I was like, I, I'm just going home. I have to go home. This is making everything worse. My husband and I had been talking things out, talking about going to therapy, both of us getting help. And that was the last day that I drank. We were actually going to drive me to an in-person rehab because, you know, he could stay home with the kids. Everything was taken care of at home. I could go, you know, to rehab in person. It scared the crap out of me. And <laughs> I, I ended up not going because they told me I couldn't take my phone and I couldn't help my clients because during this whole thing, I was still maintaining a health coach business and I had built my clients up even through drinking and everything out to, to the point where I was still helping them while drinking and they were still, you know, leaning on me while I was drinking. I couldn't help myself, but I could help them. I, I swear that's the only thing that got me through this because I knew my kids had people to take care of them. I wasn't worried about them. In my head, my kids were better off without me in their life. But these other people, these people who I was helping to repair the relationship with food, who I was helping convince that they were worth something, even when they felt that they weren't, that's what made me say, hold on, I can't abandon them. They have nobody else. My kids have other people. My kids have other people who are much better for them than I am, but these people don't have that. And that's, we turned around, came home and haven't drank since. Wow. That's, that's unbelievable. That's, that's pretty powerful. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I was getting kind of like choked up over here and like little goosebumps going on as you were telling that, because that's like, I don't know, something just so powerful there for real, because we, I, I think that a lot of people can definitely identify that when we're actively using, um, we truly believe and we think, and I say think because it's not true. And when we find sobriety, we realize this, but I think that we think that our, our kids and our loved ones are better off with other people and they'll be provided for better and they'll be taken care of better because we know at that point that we're just so fucked up that, mm -hmm. um, we don't, we don't think we can do for them what other people that love them um, can do for them as well that, that aren't as screwed up as we are. Um, and I, I think where, where that really hit as well is because unfortunately, a lot of adults don't necessarily have that. Like an adult might not have another adult that can really take care of them and get them through that life. And so sometimes... Um, an adult will pay or hire a coach to really dig in their ass and push them and get them to that point because they know that they've hit rock bottom. And these aren't necessarily people that are alcoholics or drug addicts. Like you said, these might be overeaters. These mm -hmm. are people that just want to hit goals in life. Um, and they might not struggle with addiction, but they still just struggle with life. And they're reaching out to someone who they are depending on to make them better. So um, I, I can imagine the emotion when you, when you feel like you're about to let down a lot of these people that are really reaching out to you for help. Um, and it's, it's just so cool that you were able to be motivated and inspired by them to keep going, uh, which is really going to get me into what I was trying to say before. And this actually turned into an even better segue, but um, kind of how I found you 
is when I got on Instagram and I just started liking different posts and comments from people and whatnot with, with the staying fit ODAT page. But eventually, you know, I just, I don't even know how, but you just popped up on my Instagram feed at some point And I ended up just liking a post and I was like, Oh, this chick is cool. She's like a beast. And like something about the way you conducted yourself in your Instagram videos and the way you promoted, like you can tell that you had been dealing with a health and a fitness lifestyle for a long time um, mm -hmm. already. And that you were very, very knowledgeable about what you were doing, but the way you conducted yourself is almost like you had been sober a lot longer than you were. Like, I don't know why I think somewhere I knew that you had only gotten sober in April, but somehow mm -hmm. that had slipped my mind up until we started talking right before this interview again, because the way you conduct yourself, it's hard to believe that you are yourself inside of your first year of sobriety because, uh, with everything you have going on, it's so cool. Uh, so I want to definitely let you now tell, tell all of our listeners about Jackie from the fitness standpoint, um, you know, and how that transitioned from when you were coaching people and helping people when you were drinking and then how that worked into when you got sober and maybe did you find something a little extra in yourself to push onto your clients? And, you know, obviously fitness is a huge part of your sobriety. So tell us how this all kind mm -hmm. of works in for you. Hey, um, I, <laughs> I am, um, extremely goofy. <laughs> so my Instagram handle is snarky mother runner. And when I came up with it, I imagined Samuel L. Jackson saying it. <laughs> and then I made it the PG version. So. <laughs> okay. Okay. I like um, it. I, I've been a health coach for about three years. Um, I actually started in one of those first uh, container moments after having my, my third kid. Um, I, I was at home with a toddler and a baby. And I had a preteen and everything was going crazy. And I had gained a bunch of weight, having babies 14 months apart. So I really started latching on to working out and eating better as, you know, a, a healthier addiction. You know, okay, I'm going to wake up and I got to work out to feel good. You know, I'm going to wake up and I've got to eat this food to feel good. And then on the weekends, then on the weekends, I can do kind of some bad stuff. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I, I was able to do, to do that and connect with a lot of people. And I found that connecting with people and helping them reach their goals with the background that I had with you know self-loathing and a different kind of addiction than they had, I was able to really help them get inside their heads and figure out why they were having problems making progress, why they were having problems with their nutrition, why they couldn't keep up with a workout routine. And really being a completely mental screw up on my own has helped me help other people <laughs> <laughs> because it's like, okay, nothing that you people have done could possibly be as weird or terrible as some of the things that I have done. So we're going to get you through this. We're going to let you love yourself because it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. We're talking about you now and you going forward and you are deserving of taking care of yourself and you are deserving of love. And it doesn't matter what you look like or who you are. You are amazing. For sure. And I want to, I'm going to stop you there for a second before I let you keep going, because um, that is, that is, again, one of the things that really gravitated me towards your mentality. And what I really noticed about your Instagram videos is that um, 
And, and I, I say this with the most, you know, polite and respect, but yet being blunt, like you are not like a, a, a skinny twig figure um, yourself, but you definitely embrace just living healthy. It's not necessarily about 100% about how you look. Yeah, that might be important to a lot of us, but that is not everything. It is about how you feel. It is about what you are doing about it and how you are approaching the situation. And that is really the mentality that I noticed that you take. And that's what's really, really cool because you're not just making it look like, all right, cool. You have to look like this person in this picture. Otherwise you're not being successful. Like, no, Mm -hmm. you can look like this. You can have fun. Just put in the work and be the best version of you. And that is what I find so absolutely cool about the message that you are promoting and and the vibes that that you put out there because that is just unbelievable and it's it's just so cool for and it, it embodies and it empowers so many people um mm-hmm. to just find that motivation and to not mm-hmm. be afraid and to be like oh shit maybe i can do this um and yeah. i personally i can personally vouch and I, I'm not going to say their names because I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable, but I can personally vouch <laughs> for a couple people that have actually seen a couple of the videos and might not be doing anything about it yet. But I, I know the wheels are spinning in the back of their minds right now. Um, so it's just Very. really cool that you can do that for people. Um, but yeah, I'll let you continue what you had going on there. I just I, I just I, I need for people to really understand what you really are doing there. Oh, yeah. Sir makes a lot wrote songs about me for real. I mean, <laughs> I am strong as hell, but I have a giant, giant booty and some big old thighs. And <laughs> that's, that's just me. I got thunder and lightning. <laughs> the wonder thighs shirt that you're always wearing is pretty, pretty awesome. <laughs> I love it. And there's this great, great movement within health and fitness right now. And I mean, ladies, if you are lean and you are thin, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that you, you are beautiful. I just love the fact that those of us who are not there yet, or who don't have a desire to be there are, are still able to be celebrated, you know, by more people now, definitely this health at every size movement is fantastic. And it allows people to maintain a healthy lifestyle so much easier because they can look at their body and go, you know what? I don't look like everybody else. Yeah. I've got some pounds to lose but I'm trying, I'm eating better, I'm working out. And if I lose weight because I do that, all the better. So then the focus becomes more on health and not weight. And I think I think that helps so many people stick with it. For sure, for sure. And, and for the people in the back, we're just gonna repeat this one more time. Um, now that we both said it again, we are not saying that the skinny, super fit, model, whatever you want to call it. We're not saying that you're not beautiful. We're just mm-hmm. saying that everybody else that is trying to put in the work is also beautiful. That's all yes, we're saying. Exactly. We're just yes. saying that you're, you are both beautiful. It's not one or the other. You don't have to pick or choose. This isn't politics. You can just, yes. you can put in your work and, and you can just, you can also be beautiful. All the only requirement, just like when when, when you want to, you know, quit drinking or quit drugging, you know, the only requirement, the only desire or the only requirement is the desire to be better. And that's, that's the only thing when it comes to being beautiful. The only requirement is the desire to just be better and be beautiful. And that's all that matters um, for yep. everybody listening out there. And that goes for, for men, women, boys, girls, whatever, just be the best version of you. And 
again, that's what you're constantly promoting. And that's what I love. Um, exactly. Thank you. So do you have any other, uh, do you have any other like fitness projects going on? Any current goals, anything you're trying to specifically promote or p- make people aware of right now that our listeners can really get a chance to know about right now? Oh, absolutely. Um, I am actually in school now. Um, I, <laughs> I have a degree in foreign languages and I am like four credit hours shy of a degree in web development. So of course I went back for another degree and I am going for a uh, nutritionist license and to become a dietitian. Okay. So right now I work with nutrition programs that have been created by other nutritionists and dietitians that I help people through. Um, Here very soon, we'll be able to create our own nutrition programs. My focus really is to help people understand that they don't have to do what everyone else is doing to be successful. So it's molding your current diet into something a little healthier, not giving up everything that you love, not changing everything about the way that you eat in order to fit what everyone else is doing. So really making those smart, you know, uh, those smart goals, sustainable, measurable, you know, all, all that good stuff getting people to a point where they can keep doing what they're doing, just making tiny little tweaks. That and, uh, man, showing people how badass they are. Seriously. I've had people, you know, watch my videos and say, oh, you know, you could go a little heavier, which is fine. And then some people watch my videos and get and say, I could never do that. I could never do what you're doing. And I want both of those factions of people to get with me and really show me, number one, if you think I can lift heavier, show me, show me, <laughs> let me see you lift heavier. Let me see you do this stuff with heavier weights and I will celebrate you. I will clap for you. I will share your videos. I will share your name. We will love on you. And if you think you can't do what I'm doing, if you're on the other end of the spectrum right now, I will prove you wrong. I will show you that you are just as capable of doing everything that I do and more. My goal is to make you beat me. I don't want you to be like me. I want you to be better than me. Oh, that is so cool. That is just, that is just beyond cool. That is absolutely an amazing message to just put out there. Um, and it, it's just so, it's so motivating and inspiring. And I got to say too, um, as I get, as I get closer to this whole Boston marathon training, uh, goal that I have going on, um, I, I nutrition is something I got to work on, um, as I get into these longer runs as well. So, um, I might be reaching out to you for some of your expertise as well. Um, maybe, maybe you can help me out a little bit as well. Um, Heck yeah, do it, do it. <laughs> <laughs> so again, uh, repeat for our listeners, how they can find you on Instagram, Facebook. Um, so that way they can follow you and everything you have going on. Yeah, absolutely. On Instagram, you can find me at snarky mother runner spelled exactly how it sounds. And if you click on the link in my bio, on Instagram, it will actually take you to my Facebook page. And then um, there's a link to my website on there also. So just the easiest way to find me, Instagram, snarky mother runner. And there's a picture of my beautiful little face on there and lots of crazy videos about eating peanut butter. <laughs> yes, the, the videos, there's, there's always fun, little quick videos. Anytime you're scrolling through, there's always something new popped up and you know, some of them are little workout videos, some are little meal prepping videos and little snacks and stuff. And, you know, the, the, the Instagram tag, I mean, the, the name is just like a perfect way to describe just kind of what you can expect when you click on, on 
on this young lady's Instagram and everything that she's got going on. It's, it's just so fun. And one of those pages, you can just dive in for, for a few minutes, just really scrolling through and just having a couple good laughs and yet being inspired and motivated at the same time. So it's just cool to bring, to bring that all together. And, you know, obviously um, I love reaching out to and communicating with anybody who is embracing um, my personal two favorite things, two of my favorite things in the world, you know, sobriety and fitness, because, uh, mm -hmm. you know, for, for me, they, they go hand in hand. And for a lot of people, they do. And, you know, that's what we just want to keep talking about on this podcast and just keep promoting people that are doing that for the community. Um, so hopefully this will get you just a few more Instagram followers and a few more people seeing the good message. And, you know, just definitely you keep doing what you're doing because it's so awesome. And it's, it's, it's beyond inspiring. Um, Thank you. Thank before, you. before we let you go, are there any other, uh, any other fun little funny little fitness story. Oh, I haven't done this in a while. So let's actually put you on the spot since you have the perfect personality uh, for this. So in my first half a dozen episodes or so, I used to do this little segment um, where I would tell our, uh, our guest to share with us one of the most, pretty much the most embarrassing fitness story that you're willing to share. Um, and and we, we've had everything from, I think we even had someone actually admit that I think they pooped themselves on a trail. I think that was on this <laughs> podcast. So um, uh, if, if that wasn't on here, then I apologize if that was the wrong one. I know I've just heard that recently, but anyway, if you want to, if you have anything you want to share with us, I feel like you have the personality. You're not going to hold back on us right now. Oh, no, no. I threatened to eat some teenagers. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Again, this might be one of those things you need to clarify. <laughs> so after baby number three, and mind you, this was, you know, I, I had my preteen, he was a preteen at the time, and I had a toddler and then a baby at home. So I was still pushing like 200 pounds at, at this point. And my husband is actually a personal trainer, and he was trying to get me into running because prior, prior to doing all this, I was a chain smoker who made fun of people who exercised. Just throwing that out there. So uh, he was getting me to run and we were following this couch to 5K program. And I had to run for five minutes straight, take a break and then run for another five minutes straight. And it was a beautiful day. So we decided to go to the zoo. So my husband and the kids are there. I'm there. I'm feeling pumped. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna get fit. I'm gonna be one of those people who runs. And at this point, when I ran, both of my feet were still on the floor at the same time. It, it was not running. I was speed walking. <laughs> my, my oldest makes fun of me all the time still for the way that I used to run, but I was trying. And that, that was the important <laughs> part. So I'm at the zoo and I, I'm running, quote unquote, and these asshole teenagers were speed walking beside me, making fun of me, <laughs> talking about oh man, don't go any faster. You're going to break the speed zone and just being, I'm going to say it again. They're little assholes. They're making fun of my weight, my speed. So I, I was not going to stop though before my five minutes. So I'm, I'm speed walking as fast as I can. And I looked at them and I said, I swear to God, you say one more thing and I'm going to bite your fucking head. Oops, sorry. <laughs> I'm no. going to bite your head off and I'm going to eat you for dinner. And <laughs> No, but we need to know. Please tell me you use the F-bomb right at them, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love they it. They were horrified, and they left me alone. 
That is and great. And I missed my five minutes, and then I cried, and then oh, I did my shit. next five minutes. They, <laughs> oh man, my man blacked out and thought he was he was face to face with Mike Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Oh, that was great. I'm I'm glad we got that out. I'm glad I remembered because that that was so great. That just <laughs> that made my day because. I could totally picture myself being one of those teenagers as well. <laughs> oh man. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. It was, it was a blast. It was so much fun having you. Um, definitely. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, we're going to make sure that all of our uh, listeners can hopefully find you and, and follow you and, and keep seeing the good message. Um, Cause again, that's what we're just trying to do here. Um, but with that being said, again, thanks so much for being on the show today. Uh, we just ask you to just keep staying healthy, keep staying fit. And Jackie, tell us how you're doing it, girl. One day at a time, man. One love day at it. a time. Love it. Love it. We'll talk to you soon. All right. See ya. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Jackie. It was a pleasure to have you. For everybody out there, definitely check out Jackie on Instagram and everything that she has going on. For all of our listeners, if you yourself identify and you are not yet a part of the Facebook group, please look us up at Staying Fit ODAT. If you do not identify but you love everything we have going on and you just want to keep supporting the movement, then please subscribe, share, click the like button, do everything you can do. Uh, feel free to donate, reach out. You can also email at stayingfitodat at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, or concerns. Until next time, just know you're loved. Everybody keep staying healthy. Keep staying fit and please keep doing it one day at a time.